0: your Bibles with you this morning. You can open with me uh, We We've two spots. You can open two, two spots, put your front finger in one and open to the other one. Uh, we're going to be looking this morning at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 8 through 11 and we're also going to be referencing Romans 12 6 through 8. So 1 Corinthians 12 8 and 11 and also Romans 12 6 through 8. And that's, if you don't have your Bibles, you can turn in the Pew Bible there to page 902 uh, for the 1 Corinthians reference and 891 for the Romans. So 902 and 891 in the Pew Bibles. So we're looking at this week, we're continuing our study with the spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Now, everybody needs a voice. Everybody needs a voice, a way to be heard, right? We need to be heard in life. Even with those with, with disabilities who are unable to vocally speak, even they need a voice. So they learn sign language and other ways to communicate with other people. I'm reminded of Helen Keller. Helen Keller was one who lost her eyesight and her, her hearing early in life before she really learned how to, to speak, how to say anything. So She was unable to communicate. She had no voice. And so, as a a young child, she became very wild and unruly. That is until Ann Sullivan came along and taught her ways to communicate. She gave her a voice. And so, from that, Helen Keller was able to, to learn a lot. She was very intelligent and she began to communicate and write and And she became uh, very well known for books and and different things along that line. So uh, she needed her voice. She needed her voice. Everyone needs a voice. Our voice is the way that we communicate with others. Our voice allows us to to learn as we are able to ask questions. Our voice allows us to, to teach as we're able to communicate knowledge. So we need our voice. And the same is true of the church. Every church needs her voice, her way to, to teach others, to communicate to others. So last week we began our study of the spiritual gifts, and we began by looking at the first category of permanent edifying gifts, the speaking gifts. These are the permanent edifying gifts, the the gifts that are here until Christ returns, right? And we're looking at the category of speaking gifts, speaking gifts. So there's the voice of the church coming out. If you missed last week, then I do encourage you to go to our First Bastrop YouTube channel, and you can watch our last week's service there and catch up and find where we are today. So that's First Bastrop. Go to YouTube and just search First Bastrop, and you can find us there. But last week we began by noting that the speaking gifts are God's special gifts to build up or to edify the church in the word of truth. So the speaking gifts are God's special gifts to build up the church in the word of truth. And there are in scripture six predominant speaking gifts. And I again want to emphasize predominant. Uh, these are gifts that we see in Scripture. Now, Scripture, as I said last week, doesn't have a full list of, of spiritual gifts. Now, we have a, a partial list in Romans 12. We have a partial list in 1 Corinthians 12. And we have a little few other little uh, mentions here, there, uh, throughout the New Testament. But no New Testament t- text says, All right, here are the spiritual gifts. Get out your pen and paper. Here they are. And here's what you need to be looking for. Now, we have kind of done that in some sense. We go and you find all these spiritual gift inventories, and you look at this author, and he's got this list, and this author, he has a slightly different list, and that's just people who have gone through Scripture, and they've kind of uh, come up with their own kind of list of spiritual gifts. But we don't have a, a one solid list in the New Testament. And so a lot of what we end up with in these spiritual inventories are kind of guesses along the lines of what the spiritual gifts are but even at our best guess we can't really understand all of the spiritual gifts that are out there i think there are far more spiritual gifts in the church than what we see in scripture and even what we see on a lot, lot of these spiritual gift inventory lists that we we find out there uh, furthermore uh, there are hues of spiritual gifts as i said last week there's hues of spiritual gifts. So think of the painter's palette, right? The painter has his palette there, and he's got all the, the dominant colors, right? He's got the dominant colors laid out there, red, blue, green, yellow, white, has all the dominant colors. Uh, but then he takes those dominant colors, those primary colors, and he mixes them together, right? Mix a little yellow and blue make green right Uh, make take a little yellow take a little blue make some green take a little red take a little blue make some purple and and so you come up with all these different hues of colors when you start mixing the the uh, primary colors together well when you you see these lists in scripture a lot of times what you're getting are the primary colors and and that's what we're kind of focusing in on in our study We're, we're focusing in on the primary colors the primary gifts, the dominant gifts that we see in Scripture. But then you can take some of these primary gifts, if you will, these predominant uh, gifts that we see listed in Scripture, and you kind of mix and match them a little bit, and guess what you come up with? A whole new little gift. I think that's what we really see when we come to to think about the gift of a pastor-teacher. You see that on some of the inventory lists that is listed as a an office in scripture but pastor teacher is a combination of gifts of preaching of teaching and of leadership you take those gifts and you mix them together and, and you get a pastor teacher and, and so we see those hues coming out in the life of the church but we're going to focus in on the primary colors the primary gifts of scripture uh, that are that we see in scripture as we look at that so you may not, as we look at the six predominant speaking gifts. You may say, "Well, I thought this was a, I thought this was a, a speaking gift too." Uh, maybe it was in an inventory that you saw somewhere along the way, but, but we're focusing in on those predominant listed, those predominant gifts listed in Scripture. So, to kind of get us up to where we were, so that if you missed last week, you can go ahead and fill in your blanks, uh, even without going to look at last week's message. We began by looking at the first three, the first three gifts. And uh, as we began to look at those, the speaking gifts, first there was prophecy, prophecy, the gift of prophecy. Now this is not the gift of prophecy in the sense of foretelling, right? Foretelling future events. You had the office of prophet in the Old Testament, and they had that gift, right? They could foretell things that were going to happen. God gave them a vision. He gave them a sign. That was a sign gift. And so he allowed them to, to uh, foretell future events. He'd say, this is what's going to happen. Go tell the people. Uh, he also gave them the, bil- the ability to uh, write new revelation. And so the prophets of old, they, they were given a word from God, a new word, new revelation, to reveal to the people of God. Well, that was an Old Testament office, and, and that gift has, has passed, right? That gift in that sense has passed. It, it was a sign gift. It was a sign to show that God is doing something. He is speaking through them. And so he said, all right, tell them this. This is going to happen, and when they see this happen, they'll know you're, you're speaking my word. And so that was a, that was a sign gift for them. But when we talk about prophecy in the New Testament era and especially the, the time of the church, our time, the canon has been closed. All the revelation of God that he has given us, it, it's finished, right? We have all the books of the Bible here. We have Genesis to Revelation, the beginning to the end, the Alpha and the Omega. It's all right here. So we need no new revelation. So we don't, we don't need a prophet to come up and say, I've got a word from the Lord. Well, I've got a word from the Lord, too. It's right here in this book. That's all we need. So when we talk about prophecy in the New Testament age, we're talking about the ability to boldly and confidently proclaim the Word of God before an audience. That's what prophecy is, the gift of prophecy, the New Testament gift of prophecy. It's the ability to boldly and confidently proclaim God's Word before an audience. An audience so that's the gift of prophecy second is the gift of knowledge the gift of knowledge or the gift of the word of knowledge first uh, corinthians chapter 12 says the utterance of knowledge uh, it is a speaking gift right it, it, it sound has to come out so the gift of knowledge the word of knowledge is the ability to acquire deep insight into god's word and bring illumination to these ins, of these insights to others so uh you get here the example of the the seminary teacher right the academic the scholar who, who's able to dig down deep into the literary context of scripture and, and bring out all these nuances of scripture they're able to to look at archaeological archaeological studies and, and bring some light to scripture through that. So these are your academics, those who have this a high gift of, of knowledge. There's those are our academics who really study Scripture and they they write these critical commentaries so that we can learn more from Scripture. And, and so uh, it's that deep sense of understanding of God's word, the hunger for learning the deep truths of God's word. That's one with the gift of Knowledge. Again, it's the word of knowledge. It's not just a hunger for knowledge. I want more knowledge, and then I'm going to keep it to myself. Uh, but it's learning that knowledge, learning those deep truths, and then communicating it to others, telling others about that knowledge, helping them understand the Bible better. So it's the word of knowledge. Then there was the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom is, is similar to knowledge. You've got to have that gift of knowledge to have the, the, the gift of wisdom. But the gift of wisdom is the ability to understand and to, to discern biblical truth and then apply those truths, apply those truths. So wisdom is applied truth. It's applied truth. So oftentimes when you, you get uh, the academics uh, they, they like to learn for the, the sake of learning. Just to have that knowledge is good. And, and a lot of times, the academics, they are, they're good with abstract. They, they just leave it at abstract principles and, and they don't necessarily always have to apply it. Well, wisdom takes that knowledge and, and it says, all right, now here's why this knowledge is important to your everyday life. Here's how you apply it to your everyday life. So, That's the gift of wisdom, is the ability to apply truth to life, apply biblical truth to everyday life. And hopefully uh, a pastor has a little bit of all three of these first three. He needs to be able to boldly proclaim the word of truth. He needs to have at least some uh, gift of knowledge, that desire to dig into God's word, to learn God's word, and then to apply God's word To the people so hopefully a pastor hopefully i have a little bit of of all three of these right because i want to be able to help you understand scripture more so those are our first three that's what we covered last week and that's just kind of a a brief summary of that now we move to our fourth speaking gift our fourth speaking gift is the gift of teaching the gift of teaching and we see that in the reference of, of Romans, Romans chapter 12. And he just mentions it here in verse 7, if I can see it. Verse 7, and our, uh, the one who teaches in his teaching. The one who teaches in his teaching. So the one who, who teaches in the church, he needs to use his gift of teaching for the, the edification of the church. Now, the gift of teaching... Is the ability to communicate biblical truth in a manner through which others can learn and understand these truths. Now let me say that again. The gift of teaching is the ability to communicate biblical truths in a manner through which others can learn and understand those biblical truths. Alright, when we, we think about that word teaching, and, and let me let me go to the Greek word. Uh, that, that's used here in Romans. It is the word didasco, didasco. And according to the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, this, this Greek word didasco uh, has this sense that the word is used more especially for the impartation of practical or theoretical knowledge when there is continued activity, with a view to gradual, systematic, and therefore all the more fundamental assimilation. Now, notice those last few words there. It is continual. It's a continual activity with a view to gradual, systematic, and therefore more fundamental assimilation. So let's take those uh, three concepts and look at them a a little deeper here. So teaching is continuous. Teaching is continuous. It it, it takes place over time, right? So prophecy, in in some ways, prophecy can be one and done, right? A, A preacher can come in, a special guest preacher could come in one Sunday. He could give one sermon, one done, he's out the door, he's gone, right? There's not a continuation of that teaching, But uh, with with the gift of teaching, there's this ideal or there's this uh, view for the long run, right? It's the long play. We're working this out over time. This is not a race. It's a marathon. And and so there's a continuous teaching, a continuous uh, outpouring of information on other people. So it's continuous. It, It takes place over time. It's not one and done. It's continuous. Second, it's systematic. It's systematic. It's ordered, right? There's order to teaching. Now, our, our teachers here, you understand this, that if you're teaching a subject, you don't just come in here and you, you take this little part and you talk about it and then you come over here and you, you jump on this little part and then you teach this little, you know, you, you teach a little history over here and you teach a little mathematics for a minute and then you come back to, to some kind of spelling or something. You know, you you, you got to have a, a system in place, right? you you got to spend time on mathematics, right? you got to teach math for a set period of time. And, and then you transition over here to spelling. And then you transition to... English, and then you transition to, it, there's got to be a system to it, and, and even the, in those subjects, you know, you don't just start talking about the American Revolution for five minutes and then jump to uh, the Civil War and then jump over to World War II, and, and you got to have a system in place, right? you got to have a flow to it. There's a system. We, we, we learn through order, not chaos. And so there's got to be a system. You, you bring all of this information and you put it together in a system so that you can easily understand it. So teaching is systematic. It's continuous. It's systematic. And then teaching aims for assimilation. It aims for assimilation or application. Right? It, the idea, the goal for teaching is that the student be able to take that information and use that information, make good with it, right? Our, our high school teachers, they, they want their students to be able to take the knowledge that they gain in class and apply it to life, to use it in life. Uh, they need to build upon that information, take that information on to college with them and, and build upon that information there uh, so that they, when they get out in life they can Still use that information; it's not just thrown aside. They want assimilation. They want application in a person's life, and that's the way it is with the gift of teaching. There's this desire that that people get it and use it. Get it and use it. Get it and apply it to life. So the gift of teaching is uh, looks at has an idea or a focus on continuous instruction systematic instruction and then assimilation of the knowledge again prophecy we think about prophecy prophecy is that bold declaration before an audience whereas teaching it it communicates biblical truth to others but it can be before an audience it can be before a group or it can be one-on-one a teacher doesn't have to have a room full of students. A teacher just needs one pupil, one person to teach. And so with the gift of teaching, you can either teach in a, a life group, teach a group in a life group, or on a Wednesday night, or, or whatever like that, or it could be discipleship. Just taking one or two other people and saying, all right, let's, let's walk through Romans together. Let, let's just walk through... Uh, Philippians together. Let's look at the Bible together and, and teaching that those other people God's word and how to use that word systematically, right? Continuously, systematically, so that that person can apply the word of God to their lives. We see a beautiful picture of this in in Acts, Acts chapter 18. If you want to thumb over there, Acts chapter 18 verses 24 through 38, Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 38. Uh, This is the story of Apollos, and then Priscilla and Aquila are going to come in, and they're going to help Apollos out. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when and when, when he wished to cross to Achaia, The brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by scripture that the the Christ was Jesus. So here's Apollos. Now Apollos obviously has the gift of prophecy. He is boldly proclaiming the word of truth. And he's, he's doing it well, but when he comes to Ephesus, there's Priscilla and Aquila, this husband and wife combo. They have been working with Paul, and so they have had Paul's instruction, and now here comes Apollos. And they hear Apollos speak, and they say, man, he's good, but he's a little off in this area, right? His it, theology needs a little tweaking. He's only heard about the baptism of John. He he hasn't heard about the baptism of the Spirit. And and so we need to inform him. We need to kind of correct him. So they take him aside. They pull him to the side. They take him in private. And they teach him. They teach him. Now, the text doesn't tell us how long. It could have been uh, a day. It could have been uh, over the course of several weeks. But they teach him continuously, systematically for assimilation they go one-on-one with Apollos they correct his theology they, they get his theology in line and then when he goes away when he goes uh, off to this other place to Achaia, now he's got it all lined out because of Aquila and Priscilla he's got it all lined out and now he's able to go in and boldly and accurately preach the word of God So you have Priscilla and Aquila there who are teachers. They have the gift of teaching. And so they see this man of God and they bring him to the side, this young man of God, and they bring him to the side and they teach him continuously, systematically so that he assimilates that understanding, that theology into his own preaching. That's the gift of teaching. So if you have the gift of teaching, you are able to communicate biblical truth in a manner through which others can learn and understand these truths and then assimilate biblical truth into their own lives. You can use your gifts either in the life groups, in one of the life groups helping to teach in there. We, we could use a couple more life groups to, to start up, right? We, we, could, we could have some more life groups going on. So we need people in our life groups. We, we especially have a, a, a young kids class that needs a teacher. Uh, but we could use you in life group or we can use you one-on-one, in one-on-one discipleship. Man, we need some one-on-one disciple makers. People who are able to, to come alongside young Christians and, and help them understand uh, the biblical truths of Scripture. So, we need our teachers. We need our teachers. So, there's the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, and the gift of teaching. Fifth, Is the gift of exhortation. The gift of exhortation. And and this is one of my favorite uh, because I need the exhorters uh, and, and encouragers to come along beside me. The gift of exhortation, again, we see it listed there in the Romans chapter 12 list. But the gift of exhortation or the gift of encouragement is the ability to encourage and console. The distressed and provide positive and practical steps for others to follow. So, the gift of encouragement or the gift of exhortation is the ability to encourage and console the distressed and provide pop, uh, positive and practical steps for others to follow. So, uh, the gift of exhortation is the gift of encouragement, it, it's a gift of encouragement, it involves encouragement. Uh, to encourage is to, to build someone up, to, to strengthen someone, or to exhort uh, someone to obedience to God's will. So it's encouragement. Man, I'm thankful for the many encouragers that we have in, in this church uh, so many times uh, uh, almost weekly, I, I have people coming up. Man, I'm just so thankful for you and, and you're doing great. And, uh, you know, all this encouraging, building up. And, and especially, I, I just know that in times when I get down, I know God's going to s- send one of my encouragers along to kind of come alongside me and say, oh, I just want you to know that, that, that things are going well and, and you're, you're doing good. And, and here's, here's what you need to focus on. I'm so thankful for our encouragers, those who God has given the gift of encouragement. Man, you have built me up so many times when life has brought me down. I mean, God has just put you there to, to lift me up, lift my spirits, and I'm so thankful for you. And there's so many other people in this church who are thankful for you because you have come alongside them in those same exact times. I mean, God just knows who to send you to. Uh, He knows who to send you to. He knows who needs encouragement, and he sends you to those people so that you lift them up and build them up in the love of Christ. You encourage. But not only do you encourage, but you're also there to console, to comfort, uh, to give words of comfort when someone is is down and out. Uh, Whatever it may be, whether it be a loss of a loved one or, or just life in general, loss of a job or or whatever when someone's down and out you're compelled to go to them and to to share the love of god with them to to show them scripture to to lift their spirits in their time of of of, of distress and so the person who has the gift of ex, uh, exhortation is an encourager and a consoler someone who is there to help people Lift up in the Lord, to lift people up in the Lord. Uh, in scripture, a great example of, of the gift of encouragement is Barnabas. Barnabas, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 36 tells us that uh, his name was actually Joseph. Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So his nickname from the apostles was Son of Encouragement. I mean, that, that's a good vote of confidence that, that you have the gift of encouragement if you're called the Son of Encouragement. And he demonstrates that in life, doesn't he? When we go back to the book of Acts and we see the life of Barnabas. Barnabas, you remember, in Paul's first missionary journey, it was Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark. And halfway through the journey... John Mark gets homesick, and he says, I'm done, I'm out, I'm going back to Mama. And and he leaves them, he leaves Paul and Barnabas on the road, and Paul's even sick at the time. It's it's suspected that Paul uh, gets some kind of malaria or something at that time. And here Paul is, he's sick, he's down, he's out, and John Mark says, I'm going home. And so Paul and Barnabas, they go on out, and they, they finish up the journey they finish out the journey. They come back. They give a report. Everybody celebrates and thanks God for what he's doing in, in these Gentile uh, cities. And then they come. it comes time to go on the second missionary journey. And Scripture says that Paul and Barnabas, they come back together again, and they begin to, to make plans. All right, what are we going to do on this next missionary journey? What's the order of our journey? And Barnabas says, you know what, Paul? I want to take John Mark. And Paul's like, what? What? John Mark, he abandoned us. I'm not taking John Mark. But Barnabas, he's the encourager. He, he says, but, but Paul, but Paul, he has so, so much potential. He, he's just a young lad, and he, he made a mistake, right? But, but he has so much potential. I think we need to take him, and they have a, a, a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark. But then Barnabas takes John Mark. He says, I'm going to take John Mark. And so Paul, he, he joins up with Silas, and he goes another route, and they, they split. But Barnabas, he takes John Mark alongside him. And he, he works with John Mark, and he encourages John Mark. He loves on John Mark. And lo and behold, you get later on in, and, and, uh, what is it, uh, First Timothy, I think, Paul writes about, uh, writes to Timothy and say hey, won't, won't you, when you come, won't you bring John Mark? Because he such an encouragement to me right so it had changed because Barnabas had had taken John Mark and and encouraged him and, and lifted him up and and the word of God and invested in him then John Mark became valuable to Paul and John Mark even wrote the gospel of Mark right he's the author of the, the gospel of Mark so he became a valuable man of God who did great things for God. And it's a lot because Barnabas said, come on, son, come on, you can do this. I believe in you, you can do this. And he lifted him up. That's an encourager. That's the person with the gift of encouragement, of exhortation. So if you have the, the gift of, of, of encouragement, the gift of exhortation, you love to come alongside others and encourage them and comfort them in christ boy i need my encouragers i need my encouragers i i need you to lift me up from time to time and, and give me encouragement this church needs encouragers this church needs our our exhorters who, who comes alongside who who builds people up in the ministry who, who comforts those who have suffered loss suffered uh, times of depression we need our encouragers I'm thankful for you, and I need you to always use your gift of encouragement. So the speaking gifts, prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, teaching, exhortation, and finally, this is kind of a bonus. Uh, I'll explain why in a minute, but the, the, the final, the sixth one is evangelism. Evangelism. I say that it's a bonus because it's really not listed in, in any of the list. Uh, of, of spiritual gifts in Scripture. Uh, it's not listed in Romans. It's not listed in 1 Corinthians. It's not listed as a gift. It's actually listed as an office. So you get to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we see it listed as an office. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So it's a list. These are, are officers in the church who are there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry but you don't see it listed as the gift of evangelism but i have to throw it in here i have to include it in because it's so obvious Uh, it's it's such an obvious uh, gift in the church and such a fundamental gift in the church i mean we need evangelists right this is a vital gift that we see in the church so i feel compelled to to add it into our list here, the gift of evangelism. The gift of evangelism is the ability to share with non-Christians the way a person becomes a Christian and to, create, and to create in those people a desire to become a Christian. Let me say that again. The gift of evangelism is the ability to share with non-Christians the way a person becomes a Christian. They're able to share the gospel. And to create in those people a desire to become a Christian. So the person with the gift of evangelism has a passion for evangelism. They have a passion for evangelism. They, they want to see people come to Christ. Now all of us, every Christian, ought to have a, a passion for evangelism, at least in, in some sense. We, we desire to see people come to Christ. We want to see people come to Christ. But a person with the gift of evangelism, they eat, drink, and sleep evangelism. I mean, they want people to know Christ. And uh, just about every person they come into contact with is going to hear about Christ. They're not going to pass up an opportunity. They're just not going to pass it up. They have a great passion for evangelism. Man, I see this, and and I've said this before. Y'all know this. Y'all have seen this. But uh, here in our own church, Robert Sanders he has a passion for evangelism. I mean, if anybody's ever had the gift of evangelism, Robert has that gift of evangelism. There are others in our church, I guarantee you. I know several others in our church who also have the gift of evangelism. But, but man, I've been with Robert at a, a restaurant in North Arkansas. Here we were. We were out hunting all week. We were a little bit stanky. And we go into this restaurant on our way home to grab a burger before we head on back down to Louisiana. And the waitress comes over to our table and asks for our drink order. And Robert orders his drink. He says, By the way, sister, do you know Jesus? I mean, he's never met this girl before in his life. But he has such a passion for evangelism, a passion to see people come to Christ. The first question he asked her Is is not, can you bring us some napkins? Not, can you bring us some appetizer? Sister, do you know Christ? Do you know Jesus? If you die today, do you know where you're going to go? I I don't think he's ever passed up an opportunity to share the gospel because he has such a passion for evangelism, and he wants everybody to know about Jesus. And I've often prayed, Lord, God, just give me a little bit of what he has. Just give me a little bit of it. Because his passion for evangelism, I, I, I can't even compare. I mean, I, I shared Christ every time I preach. I try to share Christ every time I preach. But man, he every time he meets a person, he shares Christ with them. Man, the passion. There's a passion for evangelism. But not only is there a passion for evangelism, there's also success in evangelism. A person with the gift of evangelism, they're going to see people come to Christ. Maybe not, definitely not every person they witness to. That's never going to be the case, right? But they're going to see evidence. They're going to see people come to Christ when they have the gift of evangelism. So there's the passion for evangelism, and there is success in evangelism. People desire to come to Christ. uh, I won't share that. I've said enough on that. but uh, it's the, the gift of evangelism. Philip is, is known as the evangelism uh, or as the evangelist in Scripture. Acts chapter 8 <coughs> uh, describes him as the evangelist. and in Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to he is called to uh, go witness to the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8 verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Arise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. To come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this like a sheep, he was led to slaughter, and like a lamb before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his, his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom. I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them, baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself uh, at Azot- <clears throat> Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Ques- uh, so Philip goes to the eunuch and he proclaims the gospel. And then as soon as he's done there, he's carried away and he goes and preaches the gospel somewhere else. He is the evangelist. Now we see tif- different types of evangelists, those with the gift of evangelism. You have those who are, are good one-on-one personal evangelists. So, so they're going to they're, go- they're not good in the crowd, but they're good one-on-one with people. They're good at, at explaining the gospel one-on-one with someone else. But then there's also those evangelists who also have the gift of prophecy, who who stand before crowds and proclaim the gospel. So you have, like Robert, the one-on-one evangelist, and then you have Billy Graham who, who goes before crowds and preaches the gospel and, and sees people flood down and and. surrender their lives to christ but you see both aspects and and the church needs both right we need both we we need those who stand in the pulpit and proclaim the gospel but we also need those personal evangelists those who are gifted with that one-on-one conversation sharing the gospel with others and we need those with the gift of evangelism to share the gospel to be a philip who's willing to to go up alongside someone else and say Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. So we need our evangelism, our our evangelists. They are are fundamental. They are vital for the church to carry out her mission to make disciples of all nations. We need evangelists. We need those with the gift of evangelism. If you have the gift of evangelism, you have that great passion to share the gospel with the lost, and you have likely led or you will lead several people to Christ in your life. Since evangelism is, is such a fundamental part of the church's purpose, we need you not only, to, not only to evangelize, but also to teach and encourage others to evangelize. Because every one of us, whether we have the gift of evangelism or not, we're called to evangelize. We just need our evangelists, those who are have the gift of evangelism to encourage us and kind of push us at times to get out there and share Christ with others so what is your gift what is your gift do you have one of these speaking gifts do you have one of these speaking gifts do you, do you have the gift of prophecy knowledge wisdom teaching exhortation or evangelism do you have any of these in order for Uh, in order to function as a complete body of christ in order for us as a church to function as a complete body of christ we need you to use your gifts for the work of the ministry for the mission of the church so that we can effectively love god love one another and love our world we need those who are the voice of the church those who have the gift of, of speaking To speak for the church, to teach, to evangelize, to exhort, to proclaim the truth of God's word. Do you have one of these gifts? Then don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. Shame on you if you do. Shame on you if you do. Don't keep it to yourself. Find a way to use it for the glory of God and the edification of his church. Use your gift. Now, if you don't have one of these uh, speaking gifts, that's fine. Uh, We need your gift as well. And as we move through these, you're going to identify with other gifts. Uh, As we, we look at the other gifts, as we start looking at the serving gifts next week, you'll find some that you identify with. And whatever your gift is, we need you to use your gift for the glory of Christ and the edification of his church. Now, these spiritual gifts are a gift of God that come from the Father through Christ and are applied by the Holy Spirit. And the only way to receive any of these gifts is by trusting in Jesus Christ, knowing him and surrendering your life to him. Now, if you've never trusted in Jesus, you don't, you don't have to worry about the spiritual gifts because you have none of them. Uh, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit has to live in you and the only way that the Spirit lives in you is if you've trusted in Christ. And I just want to encourage you today, if you've never trusted in Christ, I want you to know that Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, God who stepped out of glory and came to this earth, he lived this, on this earth, he walked this life and did something that you could never do. He lived in complete obedience to his Father's will. And though he was without sin, though he deserved no punishment, no judgment, nevertheless, he went to Calvary's cross. And on Calvary's cross, he received upon himself the judgment of God for your sin and for my sin. As we sang earlier, he took our place. He, He was our substitute on that cross. He did it so that we might have life in him. And if you trust him today, he will save you. He will save you from your sin. He will save you from the judgment that is due your sin, and he will give you a new life in him, a life that includes the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who will empower you to edify the church, who will give you gifts to use in the church if you'll trust him today. Will you trust in Christ? Will you surrender your life to him? There's nothing to do but to just surrender to him. Whether you're here, whether you walk this aisle, whether you do it where you're seated, or whether you're uh, on sitting at home watching this on your TV screen, whatever the case, trust in Jesus. Surrender your life to him, and he will save you. Will you trust him today? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all of your gifts. Lord, you give us the, the sun and the rain and, and air to breathe, Lord. You, you provide us gifts all around. But then, Lord, you graciously empower your church with special gifts, spiritual gifts, to do the work that you have called us to do, Lord if it were not for your power, we would not even have the ability to obey you. But it's only by your power and your spirit that we can obey and that we can fulfill the ministry that you have called us to fulfill. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us all that we need to serve you. Lord, I pray. Certainly, there are those who have heard this message today, who have never trusted in Jesus, oh Lord, open their hearts. Let them see Jesus. Let them trust in Him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.